Hello and welcome to Is This Really For Kids? A podcast where I, your host, the attention, a former traumatized child, decide is this piece of media actually for children? Does it need further discussion? What did we like about it? What didn't we like about it? Today I have another guest on. His name is Luke. Obviously you've heard from him before. I actually really like that I have a significant other that will be down to create with me. That is such a blessing in my life. Anyway, we're going to talk about the series of unfortunate events, the movie with Jim Carrey. I went through and reviewed all of the Netflix series if you'd like that. And Luke, you've read uh, some of the series, right? How far did you get? Uh, I've th- I just read the first two books. So, like, not <laughs> super far, but... Uh, what made you quit? Uh, I didn't own the rest of them. Yeah. And they were pricey, too, I feel like, those books. They weren't cheap. I've honestly... I've thought about getting them a bunch of times. I've, like, gone on to, uh, like, on that Amazon and looked at getting the rest of them. But cause my sister bought me the first two. She was like, oh, I think that you'd like this series. Uh, she read them and then... I don't even know if she read all of them. She might have only mm-hmm. read like one of them, but she, but she, yeah, she bought them for me like maybe around the time I moved out here to LA, and then I, uh, I read the first two like a couple of years ago, and then they're really good. Like I think that they're great books. I just like I, I want to read the rest, but I haven't. Yeah, I read all. I think okay, when I was a kid, I got up to probably like eight or nine, so I was almost done. And I think I don't even think the rest had come out yet. I think thirteen was like coming out whilst I was alive. Mm-hmm. And then I got, I, I thought that I had read to 13 and maybe I had, but I was so kind of upset at the ending that I stopped and didn't, and didn't remember anything. Or it's that I, I didn't read them. And then I read them later, right after I was going through like all of my eye surgery. When I was like recovering, I read these books to kind of just get lost in a fantasyful world while I was healing because my present sucked <laughs> anyway uh, which is like what all like great fantasy is about yeah the time it's like look at like the the Chronicles of Narnia right they're like World War One I, I think you mm-hmm. got I mean like a Pan's Labyrinth right that's that's like directly about the like you know yeah. escaping from bad things happening in your life into into fantasy yeah, I definitely too. I think I needed a fantasy that wasn't like, you know, in the beginning of the movie, they do like the happiest little elf, right? I think it's like to demonstrate this very point of like, this is what the books are about. This is actually why I'm a big advocate for the movie, because a lot of people write this movie off. But for me, that's what I needed when I was like healing from my eye. I needed this thing that was like, wasn't like this little happy elf in the forest and everything is fine. Like I needed something where it was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, they're not fine. Okay, it's going to be okay. I needed the like reality of like the suck that becomes before the knowing of it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. The reality of the suck. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Ew. Maybe don't do podcasts with your significant other or else you're going to get gross. (laughs) Oh my goodness. But yeah, I hate that part in the movie. What did you think of the little elf thing in the movie? Do you remember? Oh, uh, I, I honestly, I, right before this, I was looking at and I was like, oh, I remember that. And I don't. I yeah. remember kind of. I mean, there's like no a, story about it. It's just, the, do you remember the design? Because the design is what sticks out to me. It's like a claim. Is it claymation? Or like yeah, it's like weird. Or? Yeah, it looks like the Rudolph series. Oh, yeah. That's, yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it, I can't worry. Is that entertainment that they're... That's like the movie that 
Lemony Snicket is that. It's really weird. It, like, doesn't fit. Like, it's it's very, very... I They shouldn't have done it for the movie. It was Universal, and I think Nickelodeon had a big tie to this movie. I think, like, they were trying to pick up the series of Unfortunate Events. Like, because it was, like, that was always showing on that channel, right? You couldn't... You wouldn't watch a series of Unfortunate Events on Disney. For, oh, they dropped it. Yeah. But, but that doesn't even make any sense to me, because Disney is all about orphans. Like, I don't know why... But Disney is about good things happening to orphans. Disney is about like, oh, something kind of bad happens and then it all is perfect, right? And a series of unfortunate events, I think in a lot of ways, is a response to that of like, oh, sometimes things suck for people. Sometimes people don't have like the the great things happen. It's just like things kind of suck for a long time. Mm -hmm. I also will notice the like creep factor of Nickelodeon at this time because in Lemony Snicket, like and I don't I don't remember if that's in the books. I can't remember if it is. I don't feel like it is. But I always feel like we did, I think because of the drawing on the books, we knew that the re- the orphans were like reasonably attractive kids. But when Lemony Snicket says it in like the voiceover of the Nickelodeon movie, I don't know. Cuz it's like Dan Harmon times. I've told you like a little bit about that, right? But I don't know. I get like a really like gross feeling in some of like Nick and Disney of this like over sexualization of children a little bit or like like children's attractiveness shouldn't matter right like it's weird that we even use the term attractive for children yeah I don't know and And it it has to be born of like child actors right and I mean and it is hard because it's like there are some like there are definitely times in a photograph where I was like, I was like really good looking from like zero to seven, then seven to 10, honestly, seven to maybe 13, 17, you could argue. I took a break, right? I took a break from being, I went like, like, like a puberty phase that like I wasn't as an attractive child as I used to be. Like, I don't think, I'm, th- I'm thinking back on like pictures of me as a kid. I don't think I was an attractive kid. I think I was a pretty just like plain kid. And then yeah. I think I've gotten, and definitely as a teenager, I was not attractive. I think that I, have gotten more attractive with age. I think I'm much more attractive now. Than yeah, well, because you're learning to do stuff too when you're a teenager. Like, it's like, I didn't know how to dress or I had to do my eyebrows or like, well, especially, you know, and I didn't have any like parental figure showing it to me. So it's just like, but it's also weird too as a girl. It's like, oh my God, do I only consider that I'm not attractive because that was the message at that time through those ages? Or like, is is this like even ability to look at myself being attractive like a messed up, thing that I inherited uh, not to get sure. so deep on this podcast but it's just like it's like that message right like I think you should you should worry about like what makes you feel good and what is healthy for you but the fact to like that we spend so much time I think stressing about how we look is I don't know it bugs me <laughs> and I feel like it's it shouldn't like you know if you didn't you could take that time to stress about how you looked later when you've already made it. It's like already having that stress on on top of the stress of like paying back your student loans or living in this world is it's too much. <laughs> I mean, I was a homeschooler, so I never stressed about how I looked. Uh, but you still feel weird about being a homeschooler, right? So, did I, sorry, you said, did I feel weird about yeah, it? Yeah. Do you feel like, you don't feel like, are you proud to be a homeschooler? Like, I always feel like you have a little bit of anxiety about it. I'm not proud of it, no. I'm not like... I think that there is, I I probably do have anxiety about it more than anything else. I think that it is, it's not like a, um, I mean, I don't know. Sorry, I'm trying to think of how to describe it. Like, people have an idea about what a homeschooler is, and I have an idea about what a homeschooler is, right? So if somebody is like, oh, they were homeschooled, usually a mother You have to break like like a stereotype. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to high school. That's what happens. You get stereotyped. (laughs) Actually, and it, 
weirdly at the restaurant I'm working at now, I revealed to someone that I was homeschooled, right? It was like they said that, you know, it was like, oh, well, you remember that. And I was like, well, I was homeschooled. So no. And they were like, oh, I could, uh, I wouldn't have known that. And I was like, that's a compliment. Right? People, <laughs> it's a weird thing when people say, oh, no. oh I never would have guessed you were homeschooled. It's like, oh, I did it. I like, I snuck it by him. <laughs> I pretended I played the game and won. Yeah. Oh, I feel bad that you feel that way. Like it, I get it though too, because I've definitely met some really weird homeschool kids. And I would say, yeah. this to, to a degree, you were strange because there's just stuff you didn't know because of. But yeah, I am strange. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely strange as well. So people are strange. We're, we're together. We <laughs> <laughs> got we got something there. There's a musical song in there somewhere. Yeah, anyway, perfect. um, so the scenic design of the movie for me, I liked better than the Netflix series. I know you only saw part of it, but what did you think? Yeah, from what I remember, it's a lot. It's a lot like darker. Mm-hmm. Like the Netflix show was a little bit prettier, a little bit like more colorful, more cartoony. Yeah. And this one I felt like was more steampunk in the movie. Yeah, I, I when I like reading the book, like everything should be gray. It's like gray and different mm-hmm. shades of gray, right? There should be like fifty shades. Of yeah. Gray. Well, and I love the casting of Mr. Poe more in the movie than in the Netflix series. I think they seriously miscast. I really do. And I hate to say that. Like, I feel like that's so mean for me to say. But I just, like, I don't feel like it's Mr. Poe, right? I feel like it's that actor. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Poe is Jim Carrey. No, Mr. Poe is Count Olaf. Mr. Poe is the banker. that's there we go. I was like, I know like, the names I are. Really there's a lot of names in here. There's a lot of names. I didn't. It didn't sound right, but I was like, um. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't have an opinion on that. You don't? You think it's the same? I guess you didn't I, watch I, a lot of the series. I don't enough of the series to remember. Yeah, he definitely, difference. he got better towards the end, I would say. But they do like this, like, in the movie, he's like, you know, a coughing and sneezing banker person. Mm-hmm. He's really stuffy. He's paid by Peter Pettigrew. You know, uh, the guy, I don't ever know his name, but I know him from Harry Potter. And he's yeah. in Sweeney Todd as the beetle. Beetle, dear uh, beetle. It's him, right? So, and it, and it fits me. I guess it, it's also like... It is the stereotypical image of the banker, right? Like, I guess for me, yeah, I, I like, I, I feel like if you were going to do that, why didn't you just cast a black man in this same image of a banker, right? Like this Poe, this one felt more like, like RuPaul's drag, right? Like, I hate to say it, but it was like RuPaul energy, Mr. Poe. And I, I don't know a lot. I guess they're like, are like finance guys on Wall Street like that. But for like the weird time period they're doing and because so many other of Olaf's characters are wacky i feel like you need this like kind of cold poe banker guy it's not anything to do with like race unless he was making an informed decision of like oh you know black people have been in the minority because of the big bankers right because of all of this like racism and stuff yeah so i don't i don't know i just thought he would they had like too much fun with mr poe's character in netflix and i was like that is one where it needs to be just like the wise old guy that you can't trust, right? It's like the it's like the tail on the Gandalf and the Dumbledore, right? It's like here's this like adult that you should be able to trust that you can't. Yeah, I feel like he's supposed to just be like, yeah, like, like that boring that boring banker guy. Yeah. Right? And like if you make him not Yeah, he's like he's the, he's the old whites, 
right? Yeah. Should, that, in my mind, that's what he should be, right? He's the, like the rich old white guy you can't trust because he's got money and he's in charge of everything. Yeah. Know? And the other one is just kind of like, seems like he's drunk all the time. You know what I mean? And it just, to mm-hmm. me, it doesn't work. Like it takes me out of the story every time. I guess too, because it's like, it's such an iconic image it's hard to break and so I understand the actor's choice of being like oh if it's an iconic one I'll do my own thing right because that's the you can't copy but for me too I'm like this is not it's not so much of choices of that 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 was the character right like it was just like this actor nailed this character of Mr. Poe that was the character Mm -hmm. but the other Mr. Poe was like so Netflix it's and like that is like the most on brand Netflix actor I could think of anyway who do you feel like you're most out of out of the three orphans? Klaus is the like intellectual, Violet's the inventor, and Sonny's like the chef fighter, I'm, I'm sassy baby. Uh, I would say Klaus. Yeah, I was gonna say. So I could argue that you've got you've got a little bit of Sonny in you. <laughs> I think in the chef way, I would say that there is like a and the sassy baby sort of way. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I definitely being the middle child of a homeschool Christian family is basically being the youngest, the last boy. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm... What did you think I am? Like, more of a... I think I'm more of a Klaus, too. I think we're two Klauses in a relationship together. <laughs> uh, I think you're more of a... What's your name? You think I'm a Violet? An inventor? Really? Yeah, Aw. I think so. Oh, my God, because my note that I literally wrote is, like, I'm most Klaus, but I wish I was Violet. <laughs> But I think that that's the, like, Violet, like, lacks uh, confidence sometimes. I don't think that's true. I think she just has the pressures of being the oldest child. Because, like, in the Netflix series, she has this one line where she's, like, Sonny's been kidnapped by a counteloff on the the mountain. Sorry to spoil it for you if you were ever going to read the books. But uh, anyway, that's, like, you have to know the context of the situation. So she's lost Sonny, and she's, like... If our parents are alive, because there's this rumor of survivors of the fire, right? She's like, if my parents are alive, if I lost Sunny, right, they would be so disappointed to just say, like, she's not carrying on their legacy, right, and what they met and what they stood for, which is, like, I think a lot of older sibling pressure. Mm-hmm. But she wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I'm just a little baby. A little baby boy. A little goo-goo guy. Oh, my boy. So I don't know if you know this, but they... Did the spyglass? Like, that's not in the book. That's only in the movie. I read the books, and I thought the spyglass was in the books. Mm. I got tricked. Hey, that's good writing. I guess that is good writing. If you can, like, convince somebody that a new thing would exist in that world. Yeah. Right? And and people in it can seamlessly be like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things with the Lord of the Rings. With the Lord of the Rings movies, they did such a good job of, like, not everything that was in there was in the books but like it all felt like it was mm-hmm. it all feels like it fits in the world yeah well because that's the thing is like the netflix thing like merged onto this wackiness and it is what i guess maybe more people imagine it this way because the netflix series is like higher rated than the movie for whatever reason everybody was like really upset by this and i don't know like i feel like even like Sonny's baby's lines are like funnier here i feel like what Netflix did was taking away from, like, what made the book so appealing, but I also get it because I feel like we're a small niche of, like, we want dark children's stories at the age of 13 to, you know, uh, but I don't know, there's so many goth people, you know, what I, like, there's so many goth people that I meet that still are our age that are, like, very, like, alternative that don't want all these happy stories all the time. Even some people who look happy are secret goths on the inside. But I think that th- that's also, like, our age demographic is a small percentage of the Netflix subscribers, right? They like oh. have they want the families, right? And the the parents, if they because this needs to be a show that a parent can be like, hey, kids, watch the show. 
Right? Yeah. It could just like walk away and go and do whatever while the kids are watching the show. And if it's too dark, they're not going to do that. Yeah. Even, even if it's like. Well, but it's happening anyway. It's being slipped into the shows as they're doing. I mean, the series is still dark regardless of how you make it look like, which is why you should listen to my podcast to know what shows you should let your children watch anyway. <laughs> but uh, I honestly, I don't know. I like Jim Carrey's portrayal of Olaf. I think he nails it stronger. Obviously, too, in a movie, it's different. I feel like Neil Patrick Harris, at first, I was very, very upset, right? I was very, I was like, I don't think Neil Patrick Harris can do this, right? And I was like, and I like Neil Patrick Harris. I think he's a good actor. I think he's really talented. I was like, I just don't think he's Count Olaf. And then throughout the series, he like, you could tell he got more comfortable or like he, he realized like he didn't know and he pulled it together to know, right? To find like, to really find him. And I'm sure it's like, I mean, that's such a reach for, I feel like who Neil Patrick Harris is as a person that I understand his struggle with Count Olaf, right? But I feel like Jim Carrey, like, hit, does hit the Olaf thing for me more. I don't know why. As, like, I would... I, automatically, I would say that that's very on-brand. It's off-brand for Neil Patrick Harris and on-brand for Jim Carrey. You know what I mean? Well, I think Jim Carrey has done, like, dark before. Right? Yeah. He's done... I like. I feel like Neil Patrick Harris, like, when it's dark, it's still, like... Funny and, and musical. It's, yeah. it's got, like, a, a, a wink to it. Right? Yeah. When he's in, and that's one of the things that makes Barney Stinson work, I think, is that it's like, oh, he's kind of like, he's this misogynist asshole, but he's got a smile and a wink to it. And you know, he's not really serious, right? And like, yeah. that in all of his work, I feel like there's this, like, uh, I'm like, he's very talented. He's, he's charming. Super, he's super yeah. charming and he does his thing really well, but it's like, I don't quite buy any but darkness. He, yeah, but he gets to it. He gets to it, honestly, in the Olaf parts that I would have thought were harder. Mm. I think he just needed time. That's what he needed. Sure. Uh, the eye tattoo, though, in this movie does suck. It's really bad. It's I don't even know if you remember it. Oh, but on it, his ankle? Yeah, it's right. like it's like the worst tattoo work I've ever seen, right? Like if somebody was like, this is my tattoo, look at it. And you like saw that and you'd be like, oh my God. Like I honestly, I would think that if I saw that tattoo, it's like, 35 years old right done maybe in a prison yard or at after school it's like uh, the most unprofessional tattoo i've ever seen (laughs) which is i think in the book i think it is supposed to be like this like when you see that symbol you're like kind of grossed out that's how i always felt as a child when i was reading it sure that sounds right so we're already off to a bad start with uh olaf abusing in this movie too it never stops but he calls sunny a monkey a baby a monkey so I don't know. Do you think calling a baby a monkey is offensive? I guess it's all about tone. <laughs> tone and like what they're doing. Like if, if it's like if the kid is like crawling out of the crib and they're like, oh, you cute little monkey, you're climbing. Yeah. You know? But then see, it's so hard because I feel like monkeys go either way. Monkeys you think are adorable and you love them and you can't believe they're so smart. You can't believe that like we're like related to them or whatever. We're like that's the closest to us. And wow, amazing. Or you're like monkeys and it's like racist and it's like about looks and it's about like hair, right? And it's about like... I feel like, why does monkey have two sides, two very different sides? There's always like a, definitely a rambunctiousness though. You know, there's always like a, like monkey, monkey I feel like means it's like you're. Not when you're, when you're saying monkey as in like you're ugly as an insult, because I've been called monkey before. There's no disproven, myth busted. Monkeys are cute though. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm sorry. Sorry to ruin, to tell you what the bad side of monkeys. It's the bad side of dogs too. It sucks. People just calling you animals. Is there an animal that it is a compliment to be called? Yeah, right? I guess foxy. Kitty? I guess fox. But kitty can also be, like, sexually exploitive, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I don't think zebra's bad. <laughs> right? Uh, little, little zebra. 
Yeah, I guess even let like a leopard has a negative context. And so is panther, unfortunately, uh, or a very positive one. Uh, anyway, uh, so then Jim Carrey, as Olaf in this movie, invites Mr. Poe to stay, but then uh, shoes him off when Mr. Poe agrees, which I think is more so Mr. Poe too. I feel like his character, like in the Netflix one, he's always like rushing off or whatever. And I feel like this Mr. Poe, like he just does whatever anybody wants, right? That's like why they're in such a problematic, because it's not that Mr. Poe is evil, which is what the Netflix one shows him to be. It's that he is compliant. Hmm. That he, like, doesn't pick a side. He's a bureaucrat. Yeah. Right? He's just, like, doing his job. Yeah. And I, I think that's, like, so important to the story. So, although I will say, he's still bad at, because of whatever he does. Because he leaves them into the care of this house. And, the like, the house is so filthy. Both times. In both of the series. And it's, like, so... One, I love the idea of, like, why is a banker a social worker in the first place, right? How are those two? Is that really something that happens? Or is it just something that, like, used to happen at that? And Because they're in, like, this weird time period. I don't even really know what... Because mm-hmm. it's, like... It's some, like, unspecific it's made, it's time like, period. Yeah, it's historical fiction, I feel like, like, in a weird way. There's, like... Yeah. It's, I feel like it is from the time period that all children's fantasy books are from, right? <laughs> Which is, like, It's, like, slightly Victorian, too, but it's yeah. right. Like there's a Victorian side as well. Yeah, it's just it's somewhere. Is it specific on the country? No, I think it's America because they're talking about going to Peru. It, but it also like feels very. It feels British, English, yeah. Right? Which I th- and I think that's a lot of fantasy is British, right? A lot of like the greats were British, yeah. So it's like, but it it's like American, but yeah, but but I mean but most I of the English that. like migrated over here first right like that's the whole thing is like that's the hardest thing too i think when we take blame for the history of america right it's like well technically like are we looking at england right (laughs) like i think about that sometimes right because it's like that's where we came from right like it's like or like the majority also like i mean my family came from like poland right but i don't know if the english migrated to poland i don't know which was first where were the the pilgrims from weren't they from they were from like Spain and Italy and I think the United Kingdom. Yeah, like pretty from much the Netherlands. Was it, there's somebody. Yeah, from there's the, the yeah, right? there's Netherlands. Yeah, Vikings were I think really the first people to ever explore America. Anyway, I'm just yeah, I don't know enough history. Lack of, <laughs> but I think I just think stuff like that's so fascinating. But um, anyway, then Olaf says that they don't look rich. Do you feel like you can look at a child and determine if they're rich or not? Hmm. I mean, you shouldn't look at children because you're a grown adult man. It's weird a little bit. Unless they're like your friend's baby. A child on their own and know if they're rich. I think you can tell kind of, yeah. I think, well, I think if there's like a level of like well-dressed that you could be like, oh, this kid has like like some designer, like a designer shirt on or something, right? Or there's like a, na- a brand name that you're like, oh, this kid's got some money, right? Yeah. Um, maybe shoes. If they've got some like shiny new fancy looking shoes, I would be like, oh, that kid's rich. But usually I only see children with families and you're looking at the parents to see. <laughs> Wait, as, as I go around and judge whether people yeah. are rich or not, that's the thing that I do. Um, so funny. Okay, what did you think about the casting of the orphans? I know you only saw like a little bit of the series, but... Oh, uh, talking about the film? Yeah. What did you think? Because I feel like Klaus was better cast in the Netflix one, but the Violet... You know how I am with Emily Browning, though. But uh, Violet and... Well, I don't know. The Sunny Baby was so cute, but it was like it made 18 million things. There were 18 million babies, I feel like, in the Netflix series. I, I thought that they were... 
I was shocked that in the Netflix series, the kids looked exactly the same as the kids from the movie, I felt like. Really? I felt like they were, like, very, very similar. Yeah, I mean, there's drawings all over the books about how they look, though. Like, they have that shaped face, that hair. Like, they're very stylized in the same way. So there is, like... And they're very detailed about, you know, what the kids are doing. Like, they, there's so many details in Lemony Snicket's work, right? It's like she ties up the ribbon with her hair. It's a pink ribbon. It's this mm-hmm. thing it came from, right? There's, like, all of this stuff. It's very, very rich. I always, when I read books, I do not, I have very little image of what the people look like in the book. Oh, I always get one. They can have like this super long description of what the person looks like. And I remember, I retain none of it. And (laughs) I just imagine what that person looks like. Yeah, I've definitely like, my mind went in a different, used what I was given, right? Like if he had green eyes, if they, I'm not going to make his eyes, I want his eyes to be purple. I'm not the author here, right? Like I'm taking somebody else's story. So like the person is with green eyes, but then I'll see who they actually cast. And in my mind, it was like, oh, his like, face was like very very different right like i would have pictured honestly i a different harry potter right like i would have pictured Hmm. a totally different looking harry potter even though he looks exactly like the little drawings that they did too had you 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 were uh introduced to the films and the Harry Potter books at the same time, right? There wasn't a time when you were reading Harry Potter. Yeah, the, the same the, thing, yeah. But see, this was the opposite for series of fortunate events. I think I read these books. I read at least the first and second one, and then I got into the movie. Yeah. Um, Which is a very different experience yeah. as far as like, imagining. Like Harry Potter, for me, because I didn't read the books, it was like always like synonymous with the uh, movies yeah i mean it's kind of hard for it to not be because they both i mean one they're exactly the same pretty much there's very little uh, up until like the later ones that you miss out on details but also jk rowling is so all over the place you don't you don't even know (laughs) you don't even know what's happening sometimes i do agree with you anyway though i love this jim carrey we're done talking about jk i'm taking a break but i love i don't know if you remember it in the movie but jim carrey does this electrical chair bit it's jim carrey like you know body work but it's amazing <laughs> yes i do i remember vaguely you like it yes yeah, but good was just like playing a prank or something that was going on yeah he was he's doing like an acting bit because he's and like you know the member of the acting troupe olaf is and he like does like this like bit for his he's like basically performing in front of his troupe and okay, that's what yeah, he does the electrical over, bit yeah it's like January? a joke yeah and they're trying to like yeah. the children meanwhile while he's out here just being a goof are like using a spittoon you know as a pot because they have no proper tools to cook Mm-hmm. this meal also they're like a baby is cooking to me that is the thing that i always have to remember is that literally a child that they, these kids have a baby in their hand at least at one point after mm-hmm. set their sister down right and it's just like that to me is like this will never be a funny like haha fun thing to like laugh you know laugh about it was like you don't understand this like baby is like kind of at risk like babies need to you know another human to kind of latch onto for a while they're not adults yeah babies are not adults babies are not adults you guys it should be that but people don't get it (laughs) abusers don't get it i also think it is like it's a weird commentary on like because you know that person is out there who's like an abusive artistic person who's like oh whatever like i have i have these kids right i'm gonna go be a superstar and my kids screw up basically right like yeah that's a thing there's like a part in the in the movie when they're the kids are like mad that they're it's like, oh, our parents didn't set us up for this, right? Mm-hmm. That they like, it's like, oh, maybe I'm jumping ahead. I'm sorry if I am. No. Uh, but there's I like that, that part where they're like, oh, it's like, oh, they didn't have any I like plan for us. 
if or if they died, right? And they yeah. just, like, they're just like totally unprepared for this, which is like crazy thing to think about because for most people, it, you never run into that because you're most people don't die and leave the kids as orphans, right? Yeah. So like probably most people are not prepared for that, but it's it's it comes across as such a betrayal to the kids that their parents didn't have their shit together enough to have a will and have things figured out and have a plan for them. I don't have I don't have kids, but I don't have a will. I don't have anything figured out. If I die, it's a mess. We have to figure out what to do with everything. Hopefully I got money to pay my bills. You know? Like I don't know what's gonna happen. I often feel the same way though. I honestly really think about that. But I also do like as an abused person, I feel betrayed, right? And some stuff I was like we didn't know this and it's like and it, I guess it's hard because it's like my family kind of is like yeah we didn't know like my family was in the dark about some things anyway too and it's been like it's hard when you when you're a kid and you've surpassed their education right so now the Baudelaire's regardless of them being smart they now know what to do what to do for their kids if their parents were to die right because of the information that their life has given them right mm-hmm. they know like a route to take they know all of the things that could have prevented had had they just had a will right had they just explained to them an inkling of what their life is i also think the most interesting thing is that in one of the later books it's about how they go to school and i don't think any of them i think they're all homeschooled too this is the perfect series for you <laughs> You can feel seen and cool. Yes. These are not and these are not awkward homeschoolers. They're just abused homeschoolers. Yeah. Some might say it's the same thing. Oh my god. <laughs> if only this was video. Also, one of my favorite lines of this movie is because they're making pasta putinesca. What is it? I can't say it. Putinesca? Yeah. Pasta putinesca. Yes. Right? Got yeah, it? I think so. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um yeah, I'll work on my Italian. But anyway, they go. What did you call me after? <laughs> That's what Catalope does after she says we made pasta pudinesca. It goes, <laughs> it's so funny to me. I told that joke very horribly, so you should just watch it. But I, it's so funny. It oh, makes yeah. me laugh every time I think about it. I love those jokes. That's like, that's basically just the structure of a SpongeBob joke, right? Like that is where it's just, it's always a, a simple misunderstanding. Yeah. I could definitely see that being Squidward and SpongeBob. Yeah. Where SpongeBob said, so I'm not going to do the voices. But you can imagine in your mind. You know, you know what I mean. Oh my goodness. And then this other crazy, like abusive tactic that I realized is that, so Count Olaf goes in and he's like, they made this thing and he, you know, this dinner for him looks great. It's totally edible. And he goes, where's my roast beef? And he demands them to basically meet an expectation that he never communicated, which is like, that's the most like abuser thing I can think of, right? To just say something that they did. They didn't speak their mind, right? They didn't communicate with you, but then they were mad that you didn't read their mind, essentially. That's, and that's a thing that people as a restaurant employee, people do that where they're like, they order something, and so, some things are very different depending on the region that you're from. Where I, like, I grew up when I, uh, when we made chili, right? It was chili to me is, like, it's got beans and tomatoes and some probably ground beef, right? And it's like, it's chili. That's chili to me. It's a little spicy, got some chili powder in it. <laughs> uh, when in uh, the middle of Wisconsin, in Fond du Lac, where my parents lived, Chili is like, uh, it's like got noodles in it. A lot of times people, when they make chili, it's got like macaroni noodles. It's like ketchup and macaroni noodles and beef, right? In LA, when people get chili, a lot of times they are offended if there are beans in it. 
right? That's like a thing that people are like, I think oh, chili is beans. I think yeah. so too. But and there are people who are like very it's like no no chili should chili is like basically just like sloppy joe. But anyway, but it's the, sloppy joe. Why do we have a different name? Wouldn't it be called chili? But then I've had chili a, joe. I had uh, a customer who ordered chili uh when I worked at Blue Dog and they were like they got the chili and the chili doesn't have beans in it. It's just like beef, just like beef and sauce, right? And they were like so appalled they were like what is this this is like a meat sauce this isn't chili and i was like that's chili right like no but she's like like no i mean this is not what i ordered this is not chili and i'm like it is chili right you just don't you have an expectation of what chili is in your mind because of your background right and you're just like oh well this isn't this isn't what i thought it was going to be count olaf he thinks dinner is always roast beef right Mm -hmm. that's to him it's like well dinner is roast beef you can't have dinner without roast beef, right? And he's just like, and, and just so rude because he's blindsided by the fact that, that it's different, right? Yeah, but he also didn't tell. I think there's more of a calculatingness because I think Kaunolov is a true abuser. I think that he was going to always, he had a plan to yell at them about dinner from the get-go, right? He knew whatever that they were going to make probably wasn't going to be good. It also wasn't going to be what he wanted. Like, he had to know, right? Because it doesn't take too long to say, like, hey, I'm making dinner, and someone to say, what's for dinner, right? Or this is what I'm making for dinner, right? It's not it's not hard to say that. Yeah, I do think that... I think sometimes, like, abusers are... There are times when it's not a calculated thing. It's just, like, a... That, like that the abuse comes from like they don't communicate well right and then do not like respond well when when their needs are not met yeah and then it's like oh it's like well you never you didn't say roast beef you have to say it but they like they didn't he didn't realize that he's a horrible communicator yeah he like doubles down on it when his needs are not met well that's narcissism yeah that's narcissism because that is to say like oh it's not, I'm not the flawed one, right? I didn't see my part in this. I'm only shaming you for not meeting my needs. That's narcissism. To put your needs constantly before even, it's a given. Like, it's not, I mean, I understand, like, yes, there is, like, an airplane mask of, like, putting your son on yourself. But also, in that scenario, there was an emergency going on, which changes everything, right? And so then in the hindsight, if somebody, if you are not on the airplane and you are down below and you can communicate somewhere to get parachutes, like, you know what I mean? That's what... If you are safe, right, and somebody else is in, in need, you should be able to help them. Yeah. To, to another restaurant analogy, sorry. <laughs> um, but people, there's a lot of times when people go, they, they're like, I don't understand why I come here and my order is always wrong. And it's because they have a weird, complicated order that it's very, and like their expectations are crazy, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, can't you do this thing that you don't normally do and just make it happen for me? And then it's like, oh, every time they get it wrong. And it's like, if every time it's wrong, it might be your fault. Yeah. Right? If, if you're having the same thing happen over and over again, maybe you got to communicate better. Maybe, yeah. Or maybe your needs are ridiculous. Yeah. And then in the movie, Sunny goes and she bites him, which is like not great, right? You don't want to teach a child to bite, but also this is a bit of an emergency, right? Uh, and I think too, like babies, especially younger children like that, they respond so much to energy. Like it has been very like crazy to learn about and just see is that it's like, it is your tone of voice. It is your spirit. 
And then Count Olaf, like, just slaps the baby in this movie. Like, I mean, he slaps him in the Netflix series, too. This is, like, this isn't the first book, you guys. Like, we are in a different, you know, section of the children's book section. And, uh, and it happens so quick in the movies. And I feel like that is what happens in real life. Like, the abuse is so... Because if you, that's like my biggest thing when people are like abuse, like in victim blaming, right? Abuse shaming. And they're like, well, why didn't you just leave, right? Why didn't you just do it? It's like, sometimes it happens so quick, you can't, you believe that it was an accident, right? Because it is so fast. But also what you don't consider is that sometimes for slaps to effectively work, if you've ever taken a stunt class, you have to be at the ready, right? To, in some part. Mm -hmm. Like you were already gearing up to attack. Yeah. Sure. I also feel, I wonder if this really does happen with a lot of orphans is that they can't get their money until they're 18. But it doesn't work for like, you. but YouTube uh, stars that are under the age of 18 can get their money. Well, I think it's about, that That would be a thing like in the will or in like the, the way mm-hmm. that money is figured out, I think, because like kids are irresponsible and, and like you probably shouldn't get all of your money until you're 18. Like, if your parents die yeah. and leave you a million dollars, like, you probably shouldn't get that. But I feel like you should have that. access to some of your money, right? Can't there be, like, in a lot of things, especially because of the way that the, Bo- how rich the Baudelaire's were. They were very, very rich, right? Like, they were, mm-hmm. they were incredibly lucky children now put into, this is, like, when the rich kid gets punished, is what basically these stories are about. I will say that, that like, there is, like, a, a lot of abuse can happen in poverty because nothing is more stressful than being poor. Right. And, um, but so these are like, I think an interesting thing. Cause it's like, well, they know what life is like when it's so good. Right. Cause they've mm-hmm. never really had to face a lot of like tragedy and stuff. The only, like one of their saddest memories they have is like, Oh, remember when our parents went to Europe and we were mad because they didn't write to us. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and me as a child, I would never expect that of my family. Right. Like I wouldn't get mad over whether or not they sent me a letter. And if they're traveling, I was like, I would have understood as a child that they were busy, pretty young. Like, mm-hmm. um, and they were pretty, I think, uh, old enough to know about that, but right. Like they had, they had it really good. And I think it's like one of those reflective things of like, oh, you didn't realize how good you have it until it's gone too. Yeah. The paved paradise put up the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I do like too in this movie that the children take times to like celebrate and build like a sanctuary. They build that like sanctuary. I don't know if you remember. It's really like a striking image in my mind, but they build this like tent with all their silhouettes of their parents when they're like trying to like heal from the terrible, mm. awful day of counter love. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's really cool yeah I think the tension is so good in this movie that it's kind of a little bit lost in the Netflix series like I feel like really engaged with this movie I hardly like drop out Um, yeah it's very like and the story is intense right like mm -hmm. you should feel that like and it's weird because like nothing I feel like a lot of times nothing like that bad has happened but it like you're like it it you know at any moment it's going to get really bad. Yeah. Right. And it's like you're on this constant thing of like something horrible is going to happen right now. Mm-hmm. Which also I would imagine if you were a kid who has gone through a trauma, right? That's how it feels. You, yeah. And, and you have not like if you if you go through a trauma and you're like thirty, right? You're like oh I've had one trauma in my life of thirty years. Probably not going to get another for a long time. If you're like 
six years old and you have a trauma, then it's like, oh, I guess this is the thing that happens all the time. I guess this is the thing. And then it's like, well, when is the next one going to happen? Right? When is the next horrible thing going to happen? Because something horrible, because apparently that's what happens in life is horrible things happen. Yeah. And horrible things do happen in life. This is happening. Their parents did burn to a crisp in the fire, right? Like it is, there is no undeniable thing. Like it's so hard for me. And there is like a toxic positivity culture, I will say, of like, not everything is good all the time right like it was like and it probably could be right i'm still hopeful that it like could be right like i feel like it is but there is like people do mess up and when they mess up it makes there are like terrible ripple effects like we affect each other there is a lot going on and obviously some things don't happen at such like a serious you know wavelength but small things can add up right like you don't chase off after the piece of plastic that you left on the beach, right? It kills a fucking fish, right? Or somebody eats that fish that has plastic in it, and then you end up, like, getting really sick because of the food that you eat, right? Like, the things that we do matter, which is why I think we have so many people who are anxious, because it's those thoughts every day, right? And I think this is something that the Baudelaire children are learning through this movie and the series, is that, like, oh my god, like, the, the even the littlest thing counts right everything affects everything mm-hmm. i also loved the soundtrack of the movie i don't know if you remember it but it's really good i used to like listen to the soundtrack on like long car rides and it was that good to me uh, i've never been a soundtrack person oh i love uh, i know people are but I'm yeah not. you like at least i feel like you like you have a high standard for like background music though like the music has to be talented so i would have been surprised that you're not a soundtrack well i mean i like i like soundtracks i enjoy a good soundtrack i don't listen to them so i i, yeah. I wasn't clear i don't listen to them like in the car usually oh. i'm like not a oh like there are people who are like oh this movie was really great oh i loved it the new marvel movie i'm gonna get the soundtrack and listen mm-hmm. to it I, I don't really do that yeah, I think it's beautiful, like, because music can really tell a story. I feel like that's what's missing from a lot of films today, is they're forgetting the effectiveness of sound design, how important that is to world building. I th- and I think it, it's a lot of times, um, I, I, like, watched some YouTube videos one time about, uh, about like, back about the score of, of movies and how often, because, like, directors go through and put in, like, like a what they want the score to be right they in their cut they're like okay i want something like this and there's a bunch of example music and then they just want music that sounds like that which is like the music that's in all movies and then you get like a bunch of marvel movies that all have this just like ambient music right it's like all this kind of like ambient nondescript themes Right, mm-hmm. it's like, what does any Marvel movie sound like? Oh, I don't know. I know with the new Spider-Man. Yeah. I will like. say, I do know the first Guardian of the Galaxies. That one was a very good soundtrack because that was different from what mm-hmm. every other Marvel movie was doing. It's right, true. everyone was just like, it oh. also was a fantastic soundtrack. It really was. Yes. It's very good. Also, I think that's from the comic the, the comic book yeah. itself has that in it, right? I think so. I think there's a big influence on movie uh, music. I mean, uh, yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think that the songs are all from the... I haven't actually read it, but I think it's actually from the comic. Yeah. For whatever reason, when you read the books, do you remember their Count Olaf putting them in a car on a stopped on a train tracks? Like the old... I don't remember you that. You don't remember that? Okay, see, for whatever reason, this movie convinced me that was in the first book, and I don't remember if it is or not. Mm. And I, I don't think that it is, because I think... I think it always ends the same with that Count Olaf tries to marry Violet and then they end up getting taken away that way. I think it always, it's like, it's always that gross. It was mm-hmm. like a really, it could have been that, because like, I think that is the most terrible ending 
of the series, right, is if this book had finished the way that Count O'Fluff wanted, had he married Violet for her money, that's the worst thing that could have happened Yeah. in the whole situation, right? Like, But anyway, in this movie, Mr. Poe thinks that they're driving because he, like, left them in the car and they, like, set up the Sunny to do it. So then that is what gets him taken away is them. Which I think is the actual thing that would get a child taken away and not, unfortunately, the other thing around, apparently. Because that's mm-hmm. where we're at in society, right? Well, and this, the, like, constant theme of all of these, of all of the stories is that um, they are, the kids are, like, there's something going on and the adults don't see it, mm-hmm. right? It's, like, over and over and over again. It's, like, the kids are, like, don't you see there's something horrible happening? And the adults are, like, oh, we don't really believe you. You're just children, right? Like, um, Yeah. I feel like that is happening it happens in every level. It's like the old never believes the new, right? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I also loved, I don't know, do you remember the elf grappling hook? It's pretty cool. They like use the, because like the littlest elf happens to be a bobble doll in the car. Like it's like mm-hmm. related to mm-hmm. the universe somehow. I hate it. I feel like though, because there's this unauthorized guide that was about like the secret organization that I also read with the mm-hmm. books. Uh, apparently there's like prequels too. I didn't read those, but yeah. So he like, oops been writing this whole world but anyway the littlest elf might have been one of the films in there like there's like you know they communicate via film sure um which i think is a crazy thing to think about but i think historically that has happened that there was i mean they did when i was studying film they talked about how they use propaganda through film like russia and china especially i mean and i think america totally does well uh so and this is the funny thing my when i think of the vietnam war uh, I think of the movie that I watched as a, a number of times, many times as a kid, which uh, which about the Vietnam War, and that movie is The Green Berets, starring John Wayne. And that movie, I found out as an adult, is infamous because it was the, I believe it was the only movie that, uh, that like Hollywood made about the Vietnam War mm-hmm. during Vietnam. So, like, while it was happening. So it's, like, super, like, gung-ho, go America. America's badass over there fighting, you know, this war, right? Which, and every other movie since then has been like, what were we doing there? It was a nightmare. Everything was horrible, right? But that movie, and so for me, like, growing up, it was like, I was like, Vietnam? And I knew about all the stuff surrounding Vietnam, but there still is this, like, like, this gung-ho... Like the because the movie was propaganda basically, yeah. right? It was like, oh, look at we're over there doing good, uh, killing the bad guys. Well, and also any people. movie with John Wayne, that is usually the message of a John Wayne movie, right? Yes. It's just the good guys are good no matter what, the bad guys are bad no matter what, and and if you're casting it's the black movie, and white, yeah. If, if you're casting the movie to show the country that you that America is good and fighting the bad people, you put John Wayne in it, right? It's I feel like that's too is that John Wayne was like so to be like one of those like ideal Americans, right? He is like, if you, if I had to put a time capsule of like what America was, a John Wayne movie would be in there, or at least a John Wayne fashion sense, right? Like, oh, yeah, he, like, I feel like he, partly because of the movies I watched as a kid, but like, especially Midwestern, yeah, early Hollywood is like, yeah, John Wayne is huge, John Wayne is the greatest, right? Yeah, um, it's wild. Also, something that abusers do that Count of Love does in this movie, and that really freaks me out, is that he will be like, He's like fake crying tears to Poe about the children being taken away. And I know, I know that abusers do this. 
And then he like turns to the kids and says, I'm going to get you. Right. And it's like so messed up. Right. But it's something that that happens. This is not even a fantasy about what is going on right it's like oh look at this cute movie this like stuff never happens to children haha and it's like yeah obviously like the leeches and like lacrimose and everything else we're about to get to you know it's it's so you know there's a fantasy element but that is a very real thing that happens right like the abusive person is so sad and it's like yeah because they're losing their toy it's like when i take my cat marcy's string because it's all gunky and i throw it in the trash right she's not happy with me however it is for the best that we get rid of this broken toy from you you have beat up this thing wow i can't believe you're abusing your cat no throwing away her toys her toy that she abused wow. to that she didn't take care of <laughs> You can play with something nicely. You don't have... She just used it to take her anger out. Oh, and I love... Okay, I don't think you... Did you watch the Reptile Room episode of Netflix? Did you see the one with Monty? I don't think so. Okay. I like the movie Monty better. He's just so much warm, right? Did you feel mm-hmm. like he was so... Like, you instantly loved him when you saw him and trusted him? Well, and he's he's the thing that these books are so good at which is you're like oh maybe it's gonna be okay there's this good guy and he wants to take care of them and it seems like everything is going to be all right and then something horrible happens right but it's like oh we he they had an ally for a minute right Mm -hmm. they had someone who was going to make everything okay yeah well and two they're going to peru so they're gonna get so far away from the world right like they can basically start it new because they'll have to learn like a whole new culture and the reptile room is so cool that is like one of the things that i oh i will always think about i'll probably be like 87 i'll never even if i got dementia i would remember this reptile room (laughs) wait do you remember it right like it's in your mind right it's such a cool thing why is there it is dumb that that is not like a theme park already like the, the fact that this whole series isn't a theme park honestly I think you were the one who brought this up. A series of unfortunate events, but it's like, what a horrible name for a theme park. I know, right? Yeah. It's Dismal, but Dismaland made like millions of dollars by Banksy. He made like a a sad Disneyland and it mm. like made so much money. Yeah. I, I would assume that like the ride would break down while you're on it. Though. No. I mean, be, it, would like, like the... it would like fake out, right? It's like a fake, you think that you're broken down in the ride, but then you're fine, right? No, you have it. So it like, it shuts down right before the good part of the ride sometimes. And then they somebody comes over and is like, yeah, sorry. No. <laughs> and takes you away. So you have like a, like a, like a. 60% chance that you're going to see the whole, get to see the whole ride and a 30% chance that like you're not going to, right? But it does it on purpose you're saying? It does it on purpose. Yeah. yeah that would be the thing. Right? That would be it's funny. Just, like, yeah. There's definitely like, got to be a ride like that. Yeah. Man, it's horrible, right? You go and then you get on the next ride and it happens to be another one where you get <laughs> shut down in the middle and you're like, oh my God, you know? Oh, I don't think they would, they would be really mad though. Yeah, no Especially if there's so this. many lines. But I don't know though. I think if you... But also, but I also literally you... just described what happens at Disney. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my goodness! But yeah, I mean, like, I think if you if you sold it with that gimmick, it could have a thing, right? And people would be like, because then you have like some sort of a chance, right? And then you're gonna have all these competitor people who come up and be like, okay, well, I've been on the on all the rides and they haven't broken down, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, I've seen them all, all yeah. the way through, and it's like. Ugh. Well, I've seen most of them. And then you're the trying to be that guy, though, right? You're like, it happened to him, it happened to me, it happened yeah. to me, right? Like, Yeah, it's, um, it's like playing a video game boss, right? It's just like every time you're like, I almost got it, and then I didn't. Yeah. 
this is for any of my Republican listeners out there, if they're, you know, uh, questioning whether the liberal agenda has been going on forever. I will say, in this movie, they say, <laughs> which I love about Monty, though, because I think Monty, as a character, would be a liberal. Absolutely. This is guy that lives with reptiles. You're telling me he's a Republican? He's got a gun and he doesn't shoot him? That's not the Republican way. This man is a liberal. Heart and true. That is his character. And... He, like, he has this two-headed cobra, and he's like, oh, I didn't think it was polite to ask its gender. <laughs> wow. I'm like, oh, my God. I love it, though. I love that it was, like, because it's, like, such a, you know, it is the way different, the both the different sides deal with it. And why do we like money so much? It also, <laughs> I cannot, I cannot imagine me asking a person what their gender is. Yeah. Right? To be, like, sitting with oh, a, I can't a person do that and being, like, what is your gender? It's so rude. It's not my business, right? If he, yeah. if it, you'll tell me, right? You'll tell me if I, I do it wrong and then I won't do it ever wrong again, right? It's not my, like, I'm just going to go by what I, I guess it's like better always to ask, right? It is, but they want you to ask, but I feel like it's rude. So I don't know. It's like such a chance. It's like, I'd rather be, be wrong than offensive, right? But I, it's like either way you are offensive. Anyway, back to you can't please everybody. Um, yeah, another one. Then the uh, incredibly friendly viper that uh, bonds with the baby, which I didn't even realize until doing like a lot of research on these, is that that actually is like Christian imagery. Is that that snake is like supposed to represent because there's like a Christian thing at the end of the book of like, the tree of life and yeah it's like it gets pretty deep um Mm. so it's supposed to be i don't but it's funny because it's like in this one the idea of satan which was a snake is not the bad thing right the snake that is supposed to represent the snake that would in christian thing like isn't isn't evil right it's a friendly viper it like cuddles the baby like the evils that they were assuming of the viper aren't true right and it's like it's such an interesting only the animal is that character really most of the humans let them down on that front but it is wild yeah it is funny that we have branded snakes as evil too Mm -hmm. like snakes are well they can kill you right like they they are dangerous so can like bears but bears are so you coconuts and i drink those all the time bears are like like have we ever had like a a children's story about a snake that was like the snake was not a bad thing no i think this uh, like i don't yeah i don't remember if there's any the only thing i can think of that it's like slightly not a bad thing is the little prince and there's that drawing of where the snake eats the elephant and even then the adults are criticizing the drawing so it's like but it's but we know when we see the drawing that drawing is good right that it represents something to the author mm-hmm. uh yeah but other than that usually there's i think this is the only th- example i can think of yeah i guess snakes kind of help out sometimes in harry potter right like but they're usually helping out the evil side yeah i feel like the stefano that jim carrey brings is a little bit more realistic than the one that neil patrick harrison brings however i usually like neil patrick harrison's ones better because <laughs> his is no, Patrick Harrison. Harrison's one S. <laughs> Wait, I'm Harris. S. Oh Neil Patrick Harris's. <laughs> Sorry, no, so mean. It's not Harris's. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting no. mouth surgery. This is why I'm speeding up my podcast no, in the beginning. I, I'm learning to talk all over no, again. It's really rough. Misheard. I was like Neil Patrick Harrison. <laughs> Ford. Oh my gosh. It, they do have a weirdly similar vibe, I realized, in mispronouncing Neil Patrick Harrison's name several times. There is, like, I would put them on the same 
Like, I could see Harrison Ford and Neil Patrick Harrison going up for the same roles, weirdly. Hmm. Different yeah. takes slightly, but they, I would, I could see them both in the audition room for a movie. Yeah, that'd be great, Neil Patrick There's Harrison's, like a nerd. There's, Indiana it's a, Jones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a market for that. There's a market for that. Tell me there isn't. It's not what they want. Some people are going to be mad, but I think they totally could and it would sell. Yeah, people are going to be mad no matter what they do with Indiana Jones. Yeah. They'll just get mad. They do. Then this Stefano is waving a knife at the children, but then says that he's giving them knife safety. And I feel really bad for any kids if that's ever happened to them. Right? Like, do people, do you think they do that? Because I remember I almost took a job to be a knife salesman and I was like, but you had to go door to door. And I was like, that is kind of fucked up, right? I I don't know if I want a stranger entering my home with knives. I was like, I think we passed that as America. I think you have to buy knives online. And I think that that, I think it's a, like an absurd version of a thing that does happen where, where where parents are like, oh, they're like, you know, making the kid like do some horrible menial task. And it's like, oh, I'm teaching him a lesson. Oh, I'm punishing him. Oh, I'm like, oh, I'm teaching him how to mow the lawn. Right. And it's like, the kid's like six years old. They shouldn't be mowing the lawn. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm teaching him stuff, right? It's like, I'm teaching him, but this is like a more absurd. But that's the thing that wrecked chores for me. No, this really happened. This wrecked chores for me. So now every time I clean, I feel so negative. I feel terrible, right? Like I don't feel, it makes cleaning, me want to avoid cleaning. It makes me feel so terrible. Mm -hmm. Also in both of the versions in the Netflix one, we see it more, but there's the secret agent Gustavo and he gets killed by Count Olaf, who replaces him as Stefano, as the, like, his, Monty's assistant essentially was killed. But I also wonder, was his assistant, like, his partner, or was it, like, his son, right? I don't know what Gustav's relationship is. Uh, I don't think they talk about it in any of the books, either. A lot of it is, like, mystery still. And then, I guess Monty's been bitten by snakes a bunch of times, so I guess even the good snakes are evil. Even the snakes that he's, he's rescuing abusive people I guess in his weird way he's rescuing the snakes Mr. Monty and um he his mustache is askew because of plastic surgery I didn't know that I, that's like but that's the backstory they put in the movie hmm. uh, I guess that would affect your facial hair growth yes potentially yeah if you got like Botox it would make it would because you could have like one thing up or if you had, like a scar right and you're trying to even it out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Peru also unfortunately has relaxed guardian laws I don't know how if that's more true but i also don't know if it's american racism where it's like i'm sure right like i'm like i was like i could believe that right i was like i feel like we have we have a lot of laws right compared to most countries there's so much of that in in film and and books and stuff where it's just like oh yeah we just believe it's like oh it's france so everybody's kind of weird right (laughs) oh yeah it's like oh it's france so the police like the Da Vinci Code, where it's like the French police are like super corrupt and horrible, right? And I'm like, Boo, I'm just like, oh yeah, it's gotta be like that in France, you know? Oh my like gosh. they're not America, it's probably all horrible. But uh, currently our police, though, like... Every, uh, like every Tom Clancy book is like, the Russians. The Russians are the problem, right? It's oh like my us goodness. versus the Russians. Oh my goodness. Then they, the Baudelaire orphans are so smart. Like they then tried to write imposter on snake and that was like some talent too because they had to do it only in the white spaces because it was one of those like i think they're called coral snakes they're like kind of peachy and then black and white and they there's like a and they're like the 
there's a poisonous coral snake and there's a not poisonous coral snake and they look almost exactly the same except for like the stripes. Do you mean that they're red, yellow, and and black and it's red touches yellow? Red touches black, you're okay, Jack. Red touches yellow, you're a dead fellow. I think it might be that. I think that's the the thing based on them. They're not technically... Like, I think the, that's the thing. I think I think one of them has, like, slightly a lighter color red, and the other one has, like, slightly a darker red, but the, like, differences are very, mm-hmm. very close. Um, but so, anyway, they write on the, the friendly version of that snake to Moni that Stefano is an imposter, and Moni believes them, of course, but also misunderstands and thinks that he's a her- herpetology spy from, like, the mm-hmm. other reptile mm-hmm. things, right? Like, doesn't understand... Because I don't even know if the children at this point have told him the story of Kanaloff because Kanaloff shows up again so fast. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such an interesting thing of this villain just disguised as other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering if they, if, since we're seeing this through the children's eye, was Kanaloff really this like master of disguises or were they simply seeing that a bunch of abusive people were in the same situation, right? Or I guess, or maybe they they were in such a situation where they were hunted by this one guy repeatedly is something like, you know, Mm -hmm. I guess people do get into like cartel situations, right? Like where there are like bad guys with lots of like an army essentially between them with a gang between them that have power that could follow you. Right. Like people Mm -hmm. do plastic surgery to escape crime. It's just like a crazy thing to think about. And I can see it as being like more of like a, like an allegory of like, it feels to these kids like they're targeted and like it's like wherever mm-hmm. they go there's a horrible person trying to get their money yeah right? and it's like you know if you're looking at it as uh not realism like it's like yeah every time they go somewhere else somebody's trying to get their money because that's what it would be if you had money there'd always be somebody looking for it yeah but it sucks it's hard to have i guess money. if money if things were balanced then people wouldn't go search for money but it's you know then people will treat their stuff like crap or whatever <laughs> the argument is oh anyway Olaf too never sleeps and I will say from my own personal abuser experience my abuser also had insomnia but it's also very sad because it's like they can't even like they're always being watched which is oh mm-hmm. which and that's another thing that feels like it's like allegory right because when I was a kid that it felt like your parents were always awake because you go to bed and they're awake mm-hmm. and you get up in the morning and they're already up, right? At yeah. Least, at least but why like, did we young. want that private time to ourselves, right? I feel like that is in something too. It's like, I think sometimes kids need private time, right? They need, like, obviously you have to watch them and stuff, but there's, I think there's like a time where it's like this child is mature enough to like deal with being alone, which is a component of being human sometimes in this world, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so sad when Monty dies. It's just, I hate it. It's really heartbreaking, honestly. Yeah, because you've like, you you want things to go well for the kids so badly. And then you get to that point and, and it's like... Yeah, it's like they showed too, like the first one was like the worst awful situation I think they could have landed in. Is that they would be forced to like... Because I think even the siblings dying while it's sad. Well, I think they would have died. I think he would have killed Klaus and Sonny and then kept Violet around, right? Which is, like, I think the worst nightmare, right? That's the worst thing that could happen to these possible three children, right? Uh, not even all of them dying, so they all die together. They're all together in heaven or whatever, right? You could argue. Or one of them is kept alive, also still in a bad situation. That is the worst thing. And then Monty, on the contrary, is, like, 
the best thing that could have happened to them, right? They went to Peru. They had this like travel experience. They had an uncle that they trusted with their life who like showed them what to do. They learned about snakes and like, right, this is like the best world that they could have had. And it's over. It's over. Kanalov assumes when Monty is dead that as his assistant that he would just take over like guardianship, which is so illogical, right? Like this, the craziest thing too about these books is that Kanalov was seen like, it's kind of smart, right? There is like a smartness to it. Something's happening too. But then it always ends with this illogical thing, right? Like it always ends with this like, he, he didn't calculate this, right? He gets sloppy in his abuse as they continue to evade him. Abuses and sloppy. <laughs> well, they get to. It's like the same thing, like that thing about serial killers is that they like leave mementos, you know, as they get, as they continue to kill, right? Well, when you look at, I feel like it's it's the natural thing to when you do something over and over and over again, you start to like, well, now I know how to do it, right? You stop to, when you're, when you're first driving, you first learn how to drive, you're obeying all the laws, right? You're driving the exact speed limit. You're, you know, using your turn signal every time you're supposed to. And then you people like... Do I really need to do it every time, right? Do I really need to, I can go a little over the speed limit, right? Well, I can do that. And then you just like, you get more sloppy with time because it's like, ah, I've done it. I know how to do it. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, poor Count Olaf makes a getaway anyway after they show Poe and the doctor because he had like even infiltrated the medical field too because he has like one of his assistants uh, do it who is so much better cast in the Netflix series. But it's crazy how, and I mean, I guess that's how a lot of people feel is like how, how abusers can just get away time after time again, right? Like they can just keep, they can murder people and still not be caught. Like how many murderers out there, right? That have still not been caught. They're out there, right? It's like a weird thing to think about. Well, and you look at all the people who are like, oh, they, they get caught, you know, like canceled, me too, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, it's horrible that, oh, that you know, they did these terrible things and now they're getting their comeuppance and then they kind of like, they pay some money and then they like stop working for a little bit and then they come back, you know? And it like, yeah, right back to whatever they were doing. Yeah. Bojack Horseman, essentially. The Bojack whole, Horseman. whole thing. I honestly, this is one of my, I think this is my favorite Meryl Streep role so far of what I've seen. I got to go through all of her stuff, but I... I think she's a good Anne Josephine. I think it's really, honestly, in watching The Devil Wears Prada again, I think this was better. This was a better performance. Wow. What do you think? What, you think Devil was better? I think that, I mean, they're probably, I don't know if one is better than the other. There's, she's Meryl Streep, so she, she acts her heart out, right, mm -hmm. no matter what she's doing. I think that I can see that Devil Wears Prada is more... Devil Wears Prada is like people love it because it's like oh, she's so bad, right? It's not like, like it's just she's so, a bad bitch, yeah. Yeah, right. It's like oh, she's horrible, but also she's a badass, right? And she <laughs> runs this company, and it's like very easy to. There's a lot going for it other than just the performance itself, as far as it's a performance that people will like, right? Yeah. Whereas this one might be more technically difficult. But people are not going to be as impressed. By oh, that. yeah. Also, because you, you have to hate Anne Josephine. Anne Josephine is kind of intolerable, right? And Josephine is like, the character itself is like very annoying. Yeah. Like, honestly, like the person you don't want to be stuck on the bus next to, right? Like, it's like, or, or you don't want to do your dry cleaning, right? This is a person you don't really want to interact with. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I don't think she really wants to interact with people either. I also love her hair. This was so prepping her for Into the Woods. Um, shouldn't be shocked. Anyway, honestly, this is going to sound very sad. And I wonder if all aunties are like this. Don't get mad at Tara, but 
this Meryl Streep's character with this and Josephine reminds me of my aunt so much. I will say, I feel very, I felt very recognized with this because this and Josephine is the majority of my family. How my how my even my good family operates, right? Because I wouldn't say Joseph Aunt Josephine is all bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. also my my aunt is like it just reminds me of her in the worry, not in the nasty grammar correcting thing. Sure. Like, yeah, sure, but. Because it's, it's just so much anxiety. It's like that adult that just lives with the anxiety, right? And anxiety is crippling. Her anxiety is crippling, Aunt Josephine's. Well, I think people with anxiety, they to cope with it, they talk about it a lot of the time, right? And it's like, oh, I have this anxiety, so I, so I need to share it to get it out in the world, right? To, like, you know, be able to talk through things. And that can, like, I remember as a kid with my mom, like, her, like, worried about the car, right? Would take took the car to the shop, Right. And so she'd be like, oh, well, I hope everything's okay with the car. We should all be praying that everything's okay with the car. Which, like, puts that on mm-hmm. you as the other person of, like, now I'm worried about the car, too. Great. Now we're both worried about the car. Yeah. yeah for um, sure. Yeah, that's definitely the effect of Aunt Josephine. Um, although I don't think the Baudelaire's, they have healthier boundaries. They're not, like, codependent, right? They kind of are, like, I mean, I think they're still stressed. They've been stressed out this entire time. But they, they don't believe in josephine's they don't fall into in josephine's fears like they uh-huh. are like no this isn't real right like they assert themselves more but they are frustrated with her that she won't talk about the secret society because she like sees a picture of her mom and dad and that's the thing too that is so heart-wrenching for these orphans in particular is that they don't even know these people that they're being like so basically i think their situation was like they just live with their family right and they didn't know any of their other family like the danger sometimes in that right yeah. i also love that like he makes an example lemony snicket i always thought this is like such a good author thing is that there's all of these fears right and like some of them are legitimate right like she believes that the doorknob is going to like break apart and splinter into your eyeball right and it's like well you can see a situation in which that would happen right is it very likely mm-hmm. no right but you can be like well, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, carpentry is a little dangerous, right? Like, carpentry does have some risks, right? I mean, it's like, but also, like, this doorknob works. We're going to be fine, right? Like, there's, like, some risk to take that she doesn't want to take. But then she's got a completely irrational fear of, like, realtors, right? Like, mm-hmm. which is, like, there's not really a reason, I guess, to be afraid of them. What is there? What is it? Tell me or why I should... is there? Tell me why you um, would be afraid of realtors. <laughs> they have a lot of control. I think I read a lot of power, right? Oh, yeah? They can, they, they can decide what houses they show you, you know? They can, <laughs> what uh, what that, about your own, when you already have a house? Oh, when you already have a house. Um, they might appraise it at a much lower value than <laughs> All right, that's, that's fair enough. That is a big fear. All um, right, you got me. She was out I don't of her fears to They're ones who appraise houses. I think that maybe they're, they're not. not. They, but they are the ones who tell you. They're the ones who tell you, though, I will say. You. I think they are the ones who tell you, so... They will tell you the bad news. Yeah. I really like the Jim Carrey's version of Captain Sham a lot. Also, it is hard. Don't be mad at me, LBG2, XYZ, WXYZ community, because Bean loves that joke. But I feel like, because Captain Sham is when we buy the romance. And I guess it's harder too. I buy the romance between Jim Carrey and Meryl Streep more than I do Neil Patrick Harrison and the one on Netflix. I don't know if you saw that one. You probably didn't. But um, I don't think so. But also, it is a weird romance to begin with. Like, it's hard to even analyze the actors' like chemistry that they have on screen because the romance between Captain Shannon and Josephine in the world is also odd, right? It's also 
quirky. It's not, it doesn't seem like it's good, right? She's like latched onto an abusive man. It like does not seem to think, be the thing for her anxiety, right? This guy mm-hmm. who is also terrible in the orphan's eyes, you know, because he's done terrible things. And I think in both of them, they play it so like silly. Like they play it, in both of them, they play it like a 90s rom-com. Um, the relationship like yeah. they're like we hate each other but we love each other which I guess is how I think a lot of people see romance for whatever reason 90s defined our era of new love yeah it's important to hate the person you're with a little bit no I love you all the bits Aww. Oh, probably gonna just clip that for me but <laughs> wow. I don't want the crowd to know how much we love each other no, it's, it's okay. our precious thing I don't want to be gross too I don't know you know, I don't need two PDA. No, anyway. Um, oh, yeah. No. Oh, oh my God. Stop. <laughs> well, uh, now, that, now that sounded <laughs> really horrible. Um, <laughs> oh, no. I'll delete it. I'll delete it. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Well, and then the other terrible thing that Aunt Josephine does is she, like, writes the suicide note, right? And then makes it seem like she's jumped up. So they think that. Lorena's killed herself, right? Mm-hmm. That's how she decided. She didn't try to even set it up and be smart like it was a murder, right? But she writes him a note that she's leaving that the orphans into Counterloff's guardianship, right? And it's like, one, I don't know, does she have that power to do it? Can your guardian in this situation then achieve guardianship? Or does it go back to the banker and his list? Because he apparently had, unless he was always looking for new people to take them in. Like, unless they ran out of... or Because the parents had no plan, right? So there was never a list. He's just been doing what whatever he thinks. I can also see this being... I don't know anything about the law, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, Your dad was a policeman, you all do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a little bit about traffic law. Um, but, like, I don't know if... I could see it being a thing of... The, this, the state is just happy that someone is taking care of these kids. Right? Yeah. And it's like, oh, if you want to have somebody else do it fine as long as somebody's doing it we don't care right someone's responsible cool yeah i love when her house breaks apart though i think it's the funniest literary device is that the people who were so anxious like everything Aunt josephine said about that she was worried about came true and was right right and Mm. part of me is like is that to say that anxious people are very smart and that they're worried for a reason or is it a controversial thing of like the thoughts that you tell yourself do manifest right like Mm-hmm. Is it a little bit of both? But I think it's such a... Uh, I think about this paradox often. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's a doozy. What do you think? Uh, I think I can see it being... I I, I think that you're... I think that the things that people are worried about often manifest themselves. Or there's also like... If you're really worried about something when it happens, it's like doubly bad, I think. Because it's like... oh. Like I knew, I knew it, I knew yeah. it was going to happen, then it did happen, and now it's so horrible because the thing happened. Whereas if you haven't worried about it a lot, and you're like kind of more living in the moment, right? And it's like, oh, like uh, I got a flat tire, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like oh, I'll take care of it, I'll fix it, I'll, we'll, we'll be fine. And part of that has to do with means and how bad the thing is and how much money you have to fix it. But I think that it can be like, yeah, there's like a, a, a dangerous thing of. Uh, yeah, you're, like, worried about something, and then it happens, and then you're, like, doubly upset yeah. about it. Yeah, because then you um, feel like it's your fault, to some extent, that you could have prevented it. Um, yeah, for sure. 
Also, I think it's really funny. You can see in the movie that the stunt people make a jump in this, like, because it's a huge action scene, you know, with Aunt Josephine's house being, mm-hmm. like, torn apart from the hurricane. Yeah. I honestly, like, I started to really like Meryl's performance at the beginning of this thing, and then I realized after she had, like, a sour taste, but I also think that that's, like, character journey. Aunt Josephine sells them out at the end and was like, oh, you didn't bring food, right? Like, or, or you're, is, like, alive the whole time, was basically making them believe that she had died, right? And putting them in grief, like, traumatizing them this way. Mm-hmm. And I guess she left a note, but still they had to, like, decode it. Like, thank God they were smart. But it's just, like, so awful, right? And then even, too, she would jump on Captain Sham's boat and, like, leave the children behind. She would protect herself over the kids, is demonstrated at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, like, messed up. Like, I don't think I could do it with children, even if they weren't even my children, right? Like, I, if I had a chance where it was, like, spare the children but save yourself, right? I was sparing the children. What would you do? I like to think that I would would save the children. You don't think you would? I like to think that I would protect the children over myself. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would. I would at least try helping them. I don't know if I would be successful in helping them, but I would at least try to help them. I think that they're, and this is the thing that I know we've talked about a lot, a number of times. You brought it up earlier, of putting on your own... Uh, oxygen mask on the airplane, right? And but it's think, children. But, and here's the thing, though. I think that there that there is a line of like, like if you're in a house and it's burning, right? And it's like, does it make sense to go out and get help and come back, right? Like, is is the better move to be like, no, no, no we need to like. I need to go into the burning, the, the room that's burning to get the kid out right now. Or is there the like, oh, no, I need to go like Call tell the firefighter, yeah. right? Or get the firefighter to do it, right? And there's that like thing of sometimes you don't really know. It's like the thing that is like protecting the kid might be damning them, right? Yeah. And the thing that is, uh, but also you might just tell yourself that. It might be like a, a self-preservation thing of like you tell you tell yourself that to convince yourself that you're doing the right thing when really you aren't. You know? Yeah, it's wild to think about. The leeches are so much scarier in the Netflix mm. series. One, they're like honestly, it's like true horror. They did a really good job with leeches. Um, puts these leeches to shame. Uh, the leeches, you mean Count Olaf? <laughs> pretty much. Then Josephine literally dies for correcting grammar. I wonder what they're trying to say about that. I want to know what the the metaphor for that is. I mean, like, I understand because it is, like, something that I think an abuser would, like... He he doesn't need her, like, right? He's already... He's ready to snap at any time, count all off, essentially. Like, he doesn't care. He'll murder any time. He feels it's justified. Mm-hmm. Especially because he's so narcissistic. It's like they see themselves as gods. It's really a really sad thing. Um, I honestly, too, feel like this was... Lemony Snicket's like message to his writers group, right? He was like, "Take that, Bradley, right, or something." <laughs> well, because there and there is that thing that happens sometimes. Where you like you like send somebody a script for notes, and it's and like sometimes it is nice to be like, "Oh, you made uh, an error in something," right? You like, yeah. Well, for scripts, I think it's only fair because scripts, it's like the way that it's laid out is different, right? I think it's different in speech when somebody corrects your grammar, right? Like, well. And there are times when, yeah, when people would just like, oh, there was an error, so I didn't read it, right? Or something, uh, right? It's like, yeah. oh, you had, like, there were just, like, a, some some spelling errors and stuff, and so I was like, oh, I can't finish this. And it's like, there were, like, three spelling errors, yeah, right? And it's like, you knew what was going on. You just, like, were looking for an excuse to not read my script. Which anyway, is gross, yeah. 
Anyway. Well, then Kaunoloff. No, that sucks. I feel like that is the Anne Josephine energy, though. That you, if you are that person, consider Anne Josephine. <laughs> but then Violet ends up in Kaunoloff's care again, and so she's going to be married at 14. I don't even think that's not legal anywhere, but I don't know because. Is it legal in the United States, dude? This is a question I didn't answer, but I am very curious to know. Is it legal to get married at the age of 14 with your guardian's consent, even if it, the guardian is the person you're getting married to, right? Mm. I wonder if that's a loophole in our American law. Well, and there could be in, like, a specific county in a specific state. Yeah. Because like, like, their laws differ depending on where you are, so it could be that that's, like, a, um, yeah. Oh, I need to look that up, because that scares me. That's what the animal me. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> um, <laughs> Turns out this story is all about Woody. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Lemony knew before. Hot take. Man, uh, man, just the brainstorm of like a Woody, like from this story from Count Olaf's perspective, but it's like a Woody Allen yeah, movie. He's played by Woody right? Allen. He's played by Woody <laughs> Allen, and it's him like going around like. <laughs> I'm just all I'm trying to do is you know get this money from these kids, <laughs> but it's also a really good idea. It's a funny bit. We're just joking, right? Obviously, yeah, we're just joking. We're just comedians, comedy on, yeah. <laughs> but maybe don't sleep with underage girls. You know, just yeah. that's on me. That's on me. I have to say that. Sorry, I can't. I won't compromise on that value. Oh, I literally too in my notes even wrote Woody Allen. I was like. <laughs> I didn't even realize. Oh my god. Okay. Two. I don't know if it would be serious in a play. Either. That's like the thing about the abusive like idiocy that always comes in at the end that I uh, am fascinated with. Of like that. It's like oh yeah, this plane is foolproof, and then it's like this is a little like out of control. Like it's so dumb. It's like you you made all the steps to do this plan, but you didn't take it to consider like the just the last one, right? To make sure about this one. I mean, like, thank God they didn't, but also... Have you ever heard anyone say foolproof in real life about a real thing happening? I don't know. Probably that, I oh, have. Here's no. a plan. It's foolproof. I've, <laughs> I've heard it a million times in pop culture, right? Like yeah. every kid's movie. We're going to get all the candy for Because foolproof Halloween. is it's such foolproof. a cool word, right? I enjoyed looking up, like, what foolproof meant, right? Like, but I was also a nerd. <laughs> and wow. still am but then yeah when she signs that signature with her left hand oh i always remember that i do that constantly on all my bank statements dude i've been like doing this is like can't fraud me if they don't know what my signature is oh my god it's still <laughs> you it's still you signing it it's legally binding <laughs> but if they can't copy it right be so original they can't copy you and steal your money that's fine <laughs> so Kataloff then gets punished. She's going to be arrested, but of course he evades the cops somehow. It's crazy how they do that. And then, oh, the ending of this movie, though, sticks with me. I would listen, really when I say the soundtrack, I would listen to this one song over and over because of the emotions that it makes me feel is when they play, when they get the letter, it comes to their, like, burned house that they're back at. And I don't know why they're back on it. It doesn't really make sense in terms of like realism in the story, but uh, the, the sound that plays when they like read the letter and it is so hopeful. I just, you should watch 
the movie just for the sending scene honestly just look up the ending movie scene if you want to yeah because they like read a letter from their parents that they get that it was the one that was lost from europe and it came anyway and it's like in the that they worried that like oh maybe our parents didn't love us after all if they didn't think of this right like because they didn't send us a letter to europe from europe that one time but they love them anyway oh it's such a powerful thing and it's so beautiful i don't know what did you think about the ending of the movie oh yeah yeah I agree. Very like, kind of like hauntingly beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I always cry. I like cry every time. I've and I've seen this movie. I used to like watch this movie before I went to sleep. It was one of those movies for me as like a kid because um, I just really liked it. Uh, and the ending credits of this are so so cool. There's not enough like cool ending credits anymore. You know, like in Marvel where it's like bam. It's oh my like, goodness. Bam, you can like, roast Marvel on a Marvel thing, but then you're still gonna have to watch a Marvel film. So. Oh. Man. I know you'll never do it. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it and have enjoyed my kind of dig into the series of unfortunate events coming to an end here now. Luke, is there anything you'd like to promote? Thanks for helping me out and doing this, babe. Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, maybe like watch. Uh, you could watch my film, Creative Urges, on YouTube. Yeah. If you like um, series of unfortunate events, I think honestly they're same kind of tier. Same kind yeah. of tier. Yeah, so yeah, watch Creative Urges, maybe. That'd be good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I'll post it under here. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoy the rest and have enjoyed the first season. Have a good one.